1: That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash stuff. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com.
0: Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. With me, as always, is Mr. Charles W. Chuck Bryant. How are you doing, Chuck? Well, sir. Good. Well, that's a good, good word. It is for this show. This is stuff you should know, and uh, actually, this is a special edition of stuff you should know. Indeed. Part one of a four-part series.
2: Yes. Should I break it? Healthcare. <laughs> sure. and yeah. Healthcare reform. Everyone seems to be really uh, uh, confused about what lies ahead in uh, the United States in
0: our healthcare system. It's so confusing Chuck that I'm not even certain if healthcare is spelled as one word or two. I don't even That's know. That's pretty anymore. much the level that we're at in understanding <laughs> no idea of, of healthcare let alone healthcare reform, right. right?
2: So we're trying to figure this out and uh, along with you guys, maybe you can learn something here.
0: Yeah. So um I guess let's kick it off. Let's get this ball rolling.
2: Yeah, we're going to we're not going to talk about future plans. We're going to talk about
0: how it is today. Yeah, well, in this podcast. Right. In this edition. In this edition. Part one of four. Part one of four. Uh, yeah, it's about the current healthcare system in the United States. And Chuck, have you uh, ever gone without health insurance? Oh, yeah. Yeah, how long?
2: Oh, man. I seem to think that uh, after my parents uh, mm-hmm. ceased, to, I think this is the familiar story for everyone. Sure. Sometime around after college yeah. Till I got my first real job, which was at least seven or eight years later. Yeah, I think I did a decade. Yeah. Same, same story. And the parents are always on you, you
0: know, like, oh, you know, if you had an accident. And I was like, I'm, I'm invincible. Have an <laughs> yeah, exactly. And luckily it worked out. No same, accident. same here. I don't think it works out quite so well for everybody, nah, but yeah. Sadly. You and I are, 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 lead charmed lives. Uh, well, I guess we'll get to uh, the uninsured soon enough. So, Chuck, let's go back to the, the beginning. 1920s in Texas, a guy named Justin Kimball, uh, founded a company named Blue Cross. That's, Still around today, as I understand it. We, share, we understand because they have a, a floor right below us, I believe. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's where I've heard that name yeah, before. We share a building. So he started uh, an insurance um, a program plan where um, women contributed, I think teachers specifically, contributed 50 cents out of every paycheck uh-huh. um, toward their eventual maternity needs, right? So right. when they went to the hospital to have a baby... They were already prepaid. It's not really insurance prepaid plan. Right. Good, Great idea. At but the time. there was something that came out of it that really gave birth to the insurance industry in the U.S., if you'll forgive the metaphor. Sure. Um, not all of these teachers had kids. Bing, bing. So you could actually make money yep. selling, premiums, selling policies to people because not everybody's going to Get cancer. Right. And that's how the whole system still works today. It's a gamble. Yep. You know, Ned Flanders once said on The Simpsons, actually, it wasn't Ned, Maude Flanders was explaining Ned's <laughs> position. Right. That, um, they don't have any kind of insurance because Ned considers it a form of gambling. <laughs> and it really is. On um, one side, you, the insured, are betting that at some point in time, some injury or illness is right. going to befall you. That's going to cost more to treat than you've put in in monthly payments toward your policy. I
2: love it. It is total gambling.
0: The insurance company, on the other hand, is betting that you will be hit by a bus and die immediately. Something along those lines where you're not going to need any kind of care. Right. Or that you just lead a healthy life and uh, nothing, nothing happens to you. Which is right. you know,
2: not going to clearly not going to happen. I think the hit older. by
0: the bus scenario is, is that the <laughs> the absolute best that can happen for a uh, insurance company. An insurance company, yeah. I guess so. But so yeah, it's a form of gambling, and you're going head to head with the insurance company, and sometimes it pays off, sometimes it doesn't. Right. Uh, but for the most part, it 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 it's a pretty good system, basically speaking.
2: Yeah, and you pay for peace of mind. A lot of times is what a lot of people say.
0: You, know? you sound like a shill. <laughs> I sound like I'm selling insurance. Yeah,
2: exactly. I believe that was from Barton Fink. Was it? I yeah, John Goodman that said that he
0: uh, sells peace of mind. Nice. Well, Chuck, let's fast forward a little bit. By the 1940s, uh-huh. um, companies had already begun offering uh, employer-based uh, yeah. insurance plans. Well, yeah, it's a great incentive to uh, get the, the best and the brightest definitely and actually still is because of this business which is a sector of us society right obviously part of the economy which is what i wanted to say but business is a sector just like you know uh, populations a sector governments a sector that sure. kind of thing um business said we're going to take the burden of healthcare on our shoulders mm, yeah sort <laughs> of in 1943 the irs supported this and encouraged it with a, a ruling that said um Employers can pay for these programs, these plans for their employees out of pre-tax dollars, which makes the whole thing really attractive. And all of a sudden, the U.S. has what amounts to a state-sanctioned employer health care system.
2: Right, which still thrives today.
0: Which is good. Same
2: pre-tax dollar,
0: same deal with the IRS. The, the chances are good that you, if you have insurance in the U.S., mm-hmm. you have it through an employer.
2: Yeah, uh, most people have insurance through uh, their company and their employer. Um, not as many people have the more expensive and harder to get uh, individual insurance.
0: Yeah, I think 56% get it through their employer. Um and 30% get it through the, the uh, government-run program. Medicaid or Medicare? Right. Well, Medicaid and Medicare others. were created in, uh, I think, 1965 by the Johnson administration, right. LBJ. And um the uh, S-chip is the other big one for children, and right. that's state-run, like Medicaid. Medicare is for the elderly and the chronically disabled yes. and peculiarly. Um, people with, with kidney failure. Yeah, renal failure. Yeah. Uh, Medicaid, as I said, it's state run. Um, is for other people with disabilities. Right. The poor. Who can't afford it. And, uh, pregnant women. Right. And then S-Chip is for kids. Yes. And that
2: is, uh, covers uninsured children under the age of 19 whose families earn up to 36200 per year at you with the stat i've got a lot of stats
0: i was gonna say i sense (laughs) that that's the first of many right and then actually there was one more
2: that i don't know if you knew about uh the high risk health insurance pools and these are people that have uh pre-existing conditions that normally would not be able to get insurance at all and they what they do is they
0: group these people together same concept as as a employee an employee based deal those are the ones you see on little 99 cent signs on the side of the road (laughs) right like need insurance kind of thing yeah you just get lumped together right um so, yeah, there's, the, you just pointed out one, um, type of insurance, which is group insurance. Most employer plans, probably all employer plans, um, are group insurance. Yeah. And it right. works
2: because it is a group, because you're, uh, and these are good because you usually don't have to, uh, fill out the big questionnaire about your right. eating habits and your smoking habits. Yeah.
0: And, um. There's no physical exam. Exactly. And pretty much anybody who wants to take part can contribute and be insured. Right. Any employee, I should say, and usually their family, kids, that kind of thing. Sure. Um, a very small portion of the uh, U.S. population has um, individual plans. And right. one of the reasons why is because you have to go through a rigorous screening process. It's not cheap. If you, you are found to have a pre existing condition, um, y- you can be denied insurance. Very is, easily. I imagine pretty heartbreaking. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's really expensive. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very, it's an expensive... Um, proposition, um, whether you're an employer or an individual. Sure. And increasingly an employee. Right. So we'll get to that in a minute. What are some of the types of uh, insurance plans that are out there in the U.S. today? There's pretty much two. B- Umbrellas, right? As far as models go?
2: I would say so. I think you're talking about the uh, FFS, the fee for service model, and then the managed care model. You know me so well. I know. Which, uh, under the managed care is when you hear about HMOs and PPOs and POS and, uh, those are all managed care.
0: Yeah. The big, the, the, I guess the, um, main characteristic of fee for service is, and this is the original model for insurance. Yeah, indemnity insurance. Believe, yeah. Is yeah. Name for it. You, you, uh, you pay your monthly premium mm-hmm. and, uh, you're, you're insured. You come down with a cold. You go to the doctor. Sure. The doctor cures you. He gives you a Coke and says, uh, drink this and you'll be fine. All right. And smoke the cigarette. Right. Yeah. <laughs> this is the 1950s. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you pay the doctor. You file some paperwork, uh-huh. your insurance company reimburses you, and you go along your merry way, continuing paying your monthly premiums again. Right. It's kind of the old school model, like what our grandparents probably had. Right. And then I think in the 80s, the HMOs came about. Managed care became um, uh, much more popular yeah. than the FFS model. And actually, there's some um, plans that kind of combine the two. But with managed care, um, with fee-for-service, the the emphasis is on treatment. Right. With managed care, there's more emphasis on prevention, supposedly. And that's where it
2: really, that's one of the big sticking points with this whole mess that we have in this country, is a lot of doctors and a lot of uh, uh, managed care still don't practice enough preventative care, they say.
0: Right. So at the center of the managed care model is a primary physician. Right. Who's supposed to know you, know your family, uh-huh. know your history, sure. know that you eat more donuts than you should, right. know that you lied on your insurance form when you said you don't smoke right, right. and is saying you're going to get diabetes, you're going to get right. lung cancer, somebody who knows you, who you've seen and who who can you, you can trust. Right to kind of guide and manage your health, right. right? They're kind of a dying breed too, sadly. Definitely. And um there's a good reason why, Chuck. You read that uh CNN article? Yeah, that was distressing. Actually, it was an editorial by uh, Dr. Vance Harris, I believe. Yes. And uh he basically gave a rundown of why the primary care physician is becoming a dinosaur, right? Yeah, it was pretty pretty depressing actually. So, he was saying that for every several thousand dollars he saves the uh healthcare industry, Right, by using his medical training to actually mm-hmm. make diagnoses rather than really expensive screenings like right. MRIs, treatment, treatment as opposed to procedure. Mm-hmm. He said that for every several thousand dollars he saves the industry, he makes fifty bucks. Yeah. seventy-five bucks. I know. Um, so he's there. So primary care physicians are not making a lot of money. What's more, there's a lot. Uh, there's a lot of issues surrounding malpractice. Right. On one hand, you can say, well the very fact that there's uh, malpractice lawsuits out there and they often add up to astronomical uh, amounts of money being paid out to people who are found to have been the victim of malpractice. Right. Doctors are a little nervous about relying on their medical training to make a diagnosis when there's an MRI machine in the next room. Right. That they can just say, this is going to solve it one way or another. I'll know for a fact. And then at the very least, even if I miss it, I could say, well, the MRI manufacturer screwed up. Right. You know, uh, there's a lot of passing the buck because of that supposedly, but there's another way of looking at that, correct? Well,
2: medical malpractice is, you hear a lot about um, doctors saying that's driving us out of business. We can't afford the premiums. Um, we have too many patients. We have to squeeze in patients that that come in for, you know, because uh, the, they're worried. I know cyberchondria feeds into it. People read on the Internet, I've got reflux. I need to get a uh, end- end- endoscopy, mm-hmm. and they go in there and demand one.
0: Which, yeah. I mean, really, it's, it's there, it's your right. You're yeah. a patient and you want to make sure that you yeah. have a healthy body. It's tricky business, though. It, it is, because they what did you call it? Cyberchondria? Yeah. Excellent. It's, uh, an argument that's often used against, uh, pharmaceutical companies, uh, advertising on television. Right. It, you get the impression that they are, Educating the consumer to say, Hey, here's the words you use when you talk to your doctor right. to get our pill. Yep. You know, I mean, how, how much of an effect has that had on, um, over prescription? I'm sure a bunch. And
2: there's, uh, there's so much information out there now. That's the first thing I do. I diagnose myself on the internet all the time. And I know a lot of people do, do that. Do you really?
0: Oh, yeah, man. What's you, what do
2: you have? Oh, I got, uh, reflux. Do you? And, uh, uh, uh-huh, big time.
0: You're not much of a complainer, Chuck. Ah, oh, shut up. You weren't No, really? I man. had no idea you had reflux. <laughs> I
2: got bad reflux, dude.
0: All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for timed tournaments, where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice.
1: That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. That's right, there's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! Hey friends, did you know that it's estimated that 85% of all customer service interactions are automated?
0: Yeah, it's true, and customers are the lifeblood of all business. So you probably don't want to put that responsibility in the hands of a robot. And that's why thousands of business owners call Ruby and hire them.
1: That's right. Ruby is the virtual receptionist company who screens, transfers, and takes messages 24-7 all while making your customers feel special.
0: Yep, you definitely don't want to hire a subpar front desk person. And with Ruby, they engage with your callers in a conversational way, just like your best employee would. That's right. Finding someone
1: who cares about your business as much as you do feels impossible at times. But the team at Ruby are experts in providing the best customer experience and turn every ring into a relationship.
0: Yep. This year can be your best year yet. Small, efficient changes can make a huge impact on your bottom line.
1: That's right, and Ruby answers all of your calls live from right here in the U.S. They'll take messages, answer questions, route calls, and much more. Visit ruby.com, or better yet, give them a call at 844-900-R-U-B-Y. Let's take it back to... uh...
2: Can we talk about malpractice again real quick? Because I I do have a a study. Please. Um, So you hear a lot about how, how those costs are driving doctors out of business, and... I'm not saying one way or the other. I'm just going to throw the study out. The uh, Americans for Insurance Reform, uh, they're a coalition made up of Consumer Federation of America, uh, ConsumerWatchdog.org, and a 100 other public interest groups. They released a study um, this week, actually, that found that uh, malpractice premiums are down and at the lowest they've been in 30 years. Um, malpractice claims are down 45% since 2000, huh. and in states where... Uh, the states have limited the, uh, consumers' ability to sue for malpractice. Yeah. Premiums are about the same as in other states. Really? So I'm not saying they're not paying a lot and it's not putting a dent, but they, they do say that, uh, malpractice claims only constitute one fifth of one percent of annual healthcare costs in the United States.
0: So that's kind of an obsolete argument these days.
2: Well, it may be a little overblown. I mean, of course, tell the doctor that that has to pay a lot of money, but, um. Right. Uh, from what I read, it, it's not the central problem, like some people say. Like it needs reform. It needs to be controlled by the government. Uh, who knows? Okay. I'm just here to report the, the facts. <laughs> and you did an excellent job of Thanks. it. Too.
0: <laughs> Let's go back to um, talking about where you get your insurance, right? Yes. We talked about uh, employer-based plans. Uh-huh. Uh We talked about people who get the, the their insurance individually. Right. People who get it from the state. Um, and then there's another group known as the uninsured.
2: Yeah, and this is where it gets really hinky. The number of the uninsured is uh, kind of all over the map right now.
0: Well, yeah, and also it's one of the central foci of um, the insurance or health care reform debates. Well, that to There's be. 45, actually, as far as August 2009, uh, Census Bureau figures, 45.6 million uninsured Americans. Right. And that... If you are a person who believes that healthcare is a human right, mm-hmm. you think that these people should be covered in some form or fashion, right?
2: Right. And they're really nitpicking this number because uh, the, this number, the number of uninsured, is largely what a lot of the, the financing is going to be based on. Yeah. Well, they're it, trying to project like t- a decade into the future. Uh-huh. And if they don't get that number right, you know, the money doesn't
0: work out, then that's when you're really screwed. Well, sure. Um, you were saying that not everybody's on the same page with not who at all. the uninsured are? How many there are? Um, there's a guy named Michael D. Tanner of the Cato Institute, and he pointed out that our about, favorite think tank, right? Uh, actually, I'm more of a Brookings Institute fan. Oh man, He's, Cato's pretty good. He used to be all about Cato. I, I was. I've, I've. I've. I'm still am. I, but I like Brookings these days. You've changed. <laughs> <And> so <Tanner's, laughs> Tanner points out that um, about 12 million of the the 45.6 million. People who are uninsured in the U.S. Yeah. Um, are eligible for Medicaid or S-CHIP. They just haven't signed up. True. Well, maybe true. It's a really good point. Yeah. He also points out that if they ever go in for treatment, that should pop up um, in in whatever patient data that the administrator takes in, and they'll be automatically enrolled in whatever program suits them. Right. Right? So that takes care of $12 million. Uh, one of the ones I don't necessarily agree with, uh, and I think people who think that healthcare is a universal human right would disagree with very much, is he points out that about 10 million of these people who are uninsured in America aren't Americans. Right. As They're high here illegally. It depends on, uh,
2: when you start looking at these numbers, I started looking around, there, people are throwing all kinds oh, yeah. of numbers around. Everybody's got
0: a number for It's because
2: it's hard to count and account for these people. Yeah. Uh, they're generally illegal immigrants aren't gonna step forward and say, you know, count me on your report. Right. So that's one reason.
0: But he, uh, Tanner also makes one last point that, um, you and I are kind of anomalies, Chuck, in having gone several years without insurance when we were younger men. Right. Uh, that about 50% of the uninsured in the U.S., uh, go six months or less without insurance. So right. really this, million Americans, even if the number remains the same, who makes up this population is changing constantly. Right. It's a snapshot,
2: basically. Right. I saw as one person put it in one of the articles you sent me.
0: So yeah, exactly how many uninsured people there are and who they are is kind of a, a big part of this debate about whether, you know, healthcare needs reform. Actually, let me, let me correct myself. I haven't run across anybody who says that healthcare doesn't need reforming. Have you? No. No. Everybody agrees that there's something wrong with that. That it's it. broken, and the it, World
2: Health Organization would probably agree with that well,
0: well, hold on. First, let's talk about some of the different arguments. There's some people who say that public health care is nothing more than just a, a, a weak part of the American welfare state, and why should my taxes pay for some other guy's right. um, health insurance when I'm paying through the nose? Right. Um, the uh, You could say that uh, competition... Might ease this, right this you know, um, giving people vouchers to mm-hmm. go buy their own insurance might make them a little more penny wise right uh, with how they spend their money. Um, really, ultimately, what seems to be agreed upon by everybody is that the American health care system is too expensive for what it provides. big time. So, let's talk about this. You mentioned the World Health Organization. this was huge, and this this still the study was from two thousand yeah, and uh, it remains a real um, piece of ammunition that's used many different ways in the debate on health care reform. yeah, it was
2: a groundbreaking study, and uh, like you said, we are the
0: most expensive. We spend more money on health care than anyone in the world. We spent sixteen in two thousand and eight we spent sixteen point six percent of our GDP. On healthcare, wow. not just government spending, but just across the board, sixteen point six of the market, sixteen point six percent of the market value of the United States in that that year was spent just on healthcare. That's more than defense, buddy. I know. So we dude, were do you... in Iraq and Afghanistan <laughs> at
2: that time. If if you give me a number like that, I would say in response, Josh. That of the 191 countries they studied, then that probably means that we're at the top of the list
0: then for what you get for your dollar. You would think we should be, since we have the most expensive and technologically sophisticated right. healthcare system top in five. the world. Top ten. I, r- Dude, I, I would say top cross top, top twenty at least. You would think. What? Oh, where we should be? Yeah, I mean, no, I'm, top I'm gonna go five
2: easy. Yeah, but I'm gonna give you some leeway and say top ten.
0: Okay. Well, give, how, what is it really? 30, where did we read? Thirty-seven. 37th. In the world. Out of 191 countries. Yes. You know who is just above us? Costa Rica. Awesome. You know who is just below us? Who? Slovenia. Wow. Yeah. That's where the U.S. ranks. Nothing this Costa the Olympics, we would be ashamed. Nothing against Slovenia. Right. But, yeah, since we have the most expensive healthcare system in the entire world on the planet, we should, by proxy, have... The best healthcare system is rated by the World Health Organization.
2: You want to hear something else, Chilling? I do. Uh, Americans' life expectancy is lower than Canada, half of the Caribbean, including Puerto Rico and Cuba, mm-hmm. uh, Chile, all of Western Europe, some of Eastern Europe, Israel, Jordan, Singapore, Hong Kong, Japan, Australia, and New Zealand. Our life ex- expectancy is lower than all of those countries. Wow. And I'm not necessarily saying that definitely means that their healthcare system is so much better, but it it probably lends itself to to that argument.
0: I know the study you're referring or the article you're referring to, Chuck, and um, it references a study from the New England Journal of Medicine from about ten years ago that showed that the average black man in Harlem was less likely to reach age 65 than a man in Bangladesh. That is messed up. That's not supposed to be no. No, so, Not when you're
2: spending the – and we're not saying because America is so much better. It's because we spend the kind of money we spend. Right. And you that's, expect better results.
0: That's one thing that a lot of people have agreed on. Uh, the, um, the, the other point to this is, you know, by the way, we spent $2.4 trillion in 2008 on health care, right? Health care spending and costs continue to increase. But uh, as someone else pointed out, it in 1996, our mortality rate flattened. It hasn't gotten better since then. Right. So, in short, the U.S. is not getting enough bang for its buck as far as its healthcare system We're not first. getting healthier, but we're certainly spending more money. What's going on? All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for timed tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice.
1: That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Hey, friends, did you know that it's estimated that 85% of all customer service interactions
0: are automated? Yeah, it's true, and customers are the lifeblood of all business. So you probably don't want to put that responsibility in the hands of a robot. And that's why thousands of business owners call Ruby and hire them.
1: That's right. Ruby is the virtual receptionist company who screens, transfers, and takes messages 24-7 all while making your customers feel special.
0: Yep, you definitely don't want to hire a subpar front desk person. And with Ruby, they engage with your callers in a conversational way, just like your best employee would.
1: That's right. Finding someone who cares about your business as much as you do feels impossible at times. But the team at Ruby are experts in providing the best customer experience and turn every ring into a relationship.
0: Yep, this year can be your best year yet. Small, efficient changes can make a huge impact on your bottom line.
1: That's right and Ruby answers all of your calls live from right here in the US. They'll take messages, answer questions, route calls and much more. Visit ruby.com or better yet, give them a call at 844-900-RUBY. Well, I mean there's a geez, there's a lot of reasons.
2: I know one thing a lot of people point at is uh, the aging baby boomers and out the age where they need a lot of care in the hospitals and by doctors. Uh, There are fewer and fewer doctors and nurses, so uh, they're not getting as good a care, and there's more, um, I think they just called them medical errors in the article I read because of understaffing. That's one reason.
0: What you're talking about could actually be considered symptoms, and we should probably say, just for COA, that if you put Jerry and Matt in here, Mm -hmm. you, you would get a totally different podcast. With all the same research. Right. It, it, there are so many ways of looking at this issue that all you and I can do here, Chuck, is try to get to the central focus of it. Right. Without, you know, leaning into partisan politics or anything like that. Right, right. It seems to me from what I, I saw come up time and time again from uh, sources on both the left and the right, pro business, pro labor, mm-hmm. is that the American healthcare system is too sophisticated. It's too advanced, Interesting. and patients have too much access to it. Right. Too much, you could say, frivolous access to it. So that MRI scan we were talking about, right, right, the one that, that costs the a thousand might dollars, demand, right, the patient demands it because that money that goes toward your employer-based. Insurance uh-huh. policy comes out of your paycheck. Yeah, yeah. Right. And when, when, so right there, this is money you haven't even seen. It comes out before it hit your, your paycheck's right, direct right. deposited into your account, right? Secondly, it's relatively cheap. And when you go to the doctor, you're not actually shelling out money. No, you're copay. Right. So you have re- no real incentive to be, um, cheap. What was the Simpsons, uh, Episode you're talking about. So you remember? Do you remember the one where uh-huh. uh, they, they uh, Homer, uh, Homer and Lisa go t- into isolation tanks? Right, right. Um, which by the way, I did recently, and it was cool. I know. Um, and Homer's isolation tank is repossessed while he's in there. Right. And one of the laborers who's uh, repossessing this thing uh, tells the other one to lift with his knees. And the other guy goes, "Screw it! I've got health insurance."
2: Right, and that's kind of the attitude some people take: is I'm paying for this; I'm going to get my money's worth out of it. Exactly. So, I got some heartburn; I'm going to go uh, demand the uh, the camera down the throat instead of trying to treat it and see if or not eat chocolate and red wine right. Before well, you that, bed. that's
0: the other thing that it betrays is that we aren't taking responsibility for our own health as nope. Americans. We don't, and that's where it has a start, buddy. Definitely, and part of that is putting that focus back on prevention again right. rather than treatment because consider this if you have a an advanced disease uh-huh. how much more rigorous uh, is your treatment going to be how many more doctor's visits does that entail how many more um scans does that mri scans right. does that entail how much more far phar- medication right and don't get me started on the pharmaceutical companies yeah that's a different podcast um how much more um time and effort mm-hmm. and just cost is it going to take to treat an advanced stage disease Then it's going to be to prevent it right. or treat it
2: early on. Exactly. So like uh, when they recommend it, uh, at, I think, 40 or so for women to start getting your mammogram and for men to get the old, uh, how's your father treatment from your doctor. Yeah. These kind of things. It's people my poor dad. People avoid this stuff. And then all of a sudden you have, like you said... Holy cow, I've got a tumor that's in an advanced stage because yep. I haven't taken care of myself and I haven't done the regular checkups like I need to.
0: And uh it cost a lot more. So th- this infrastructure that we're talking about, the health system infrastructure. Right. It keeps growing and growing. Uh it it costs a lot to manufacture an MRI ma- machine. And sure. I keep I keep using that, but it's just such an easy example. Yeah, yeah. Um and as a result of just not just the MRI machine, but all of these different external factors, and possibly corporate greed, um, from 2004 to 2009, the average cost on healthcare premiums increased four times faster than the average wage in the U.S. I know. So all of a sudden, healthcare's is just getting more and more and more expensive, and not just for you or me, Chuck. Um, we our premium from 1999 to 2009 our the employee contribution went from uh, an average of fifteen hundred and forty three dollars to three thousand three hundred and fifty four dollars right. That's just our contribution. This isn't including employers' contributions, sure. which is affecting their bottom line. And as health care costs rise, they're losing a competitive edge mm-hmm. in the global market, in well, an increasingly globalized world. And all businesses have budgets. They
2: work on budgets. That also might affect the uh, raise you might or might not get because of the, the budget and how much they're having to spend. I know my uh, father-in-law has a small business and. Dude, he has a really small business. Like, he only has a handful of employees, but he has a health insurance program. And one of the ladies that works with him is one of these people that does not take care of herself. She has, like, three or four surgeries a year, and it's driving him out of business, dude, this one lady. Yeah. And let me tell you something else. What? Buddy. <laughs> uh, the World Health Organization estimates that between 19 and 24% of the total dollars spent on health care here is spent on administrative costs. Wow administrative costs yeah and another reason that it's so expensive is uh there's been a big shift i don't know if you've noticed in for-profit hospitals yeah as opposed to the old non-profit model the community model and that's kind of helped drive up prices too so they say
0: well sure not only that but the uninsured drive up prices um the uh, the medicaid and medicare are notoriously terrible on paying out um billing to physicians uh, hospitals have started to use something called balance billing where they, um, start billing patients for procedures they didn't know they weren't covered for. And the right. insurance company is refusing to pay, and all of a sudden, you've got a collection agent all over you because the hospital didn't say, oh, by the way, this doctor right here, right. who, uh, you're, you're about to see is out of your network, so you're gonna have to pay for him out of pocket. There's just, there's, we have big problems here. Yeah. No and, kidding. <laughs> So, Chuck, how do we solve this? I have no idea. Other people do. (laughs) Thank heavens for that. Well, one of those people is a man named Mr. Barack Obama. You may Uh know him as President Obama. Sure. He's got a plan for health care reform, and uh, we're going to cover that in the next installment of the podcast, Barack Obama's health care reform plan, Soup to Nuts. Yes. But, again, this is kind of a weighty topic, and we're going to need some help, so... We're going to recruit Molly Edmonds, right?
2: Molly Edmonds of uh, Stuff Mom Never Told You, yep. popular sister podcast. Right. And all our, our uh,
0: healthcare writer. Well, yeah. She's been completely submerged in healthcare for the last three weeks. Health in general. She's our health writer. She is, but she's been uh, studiously studying uh, healthcare reform. So she's going to come in for the next few uh podcast yeah. to help us sort through things. Good. We can rely on her a little bit. And we also spoke to uh, Dr. Michael Royson, who is the chief uh, wellness officer of the Cleveland Clinic. Yes. And more famously known as co-author of the You, the Owner's Manual series of books. With Dr. We Oz. got him on the sure. phone. Yeah. He was awesome. So it's going to be like a whiz-bang, super big healthcare reform podcast. And hopefully by the end, you will know as much as Molly Edmonds. Which is substantial. So stay tuned for the second episode, which will be out in a week. And in the meanwhile, uh, you can go to HowStuffWorks.com, type in healthcare in our handy search bar, and you're going to find a slew of really thoroughly researched and well-written articles by Molly Edmonds. And if you want to send us an email about healthcare or anything else, you can shoot that to StuffPodcast at HowStuffWorks.com.
1: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Want more HowStuffWorks? Check out our blogs on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? 20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at visible.com for data management practices and additional terms. Visit visible.com. The visible monthly rate is $25 per month. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through.